Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Well, at least for the next couple days at worst, we can enjoy the Sam Gagne has more goals than Justin Ablocator memes. I don't understand how I always am surprised by that. Every time, like, Jonathan Bernier gets a point or someone new gets a goal, uh, someone tweets that, and I'm like, wait, really? Yes, obviously, really. Remember the first nine games of the season when Abdulkader was playing great? He had three points in those nine games, and he was playing great. Well, and weren't they all secondary assists? No, he had some primary assists. He was, like, he kind of stationed himself below the red line and fired the puck up to the slot and found a Darren Helm who shot for something. Truly, it was the hockey gods playing a trick because they saw how bad this season was going to be for the Red Wings and they went, oh, let's mess with them. I, re- I remember these conversations. Well, Abdicator's playing great. Is he, though? Yeah, he's got three points. Is he, though? <laughs> yeah, it was n- nice big sample size of nine games. Yeah, it's like the Madison Bowie experiment. Yeah. Oh, man, Madison Bowie looked good, didn't he? Oh, he made zero mistakes last <laughs> night. I didn't watch. Oh, he made zero mistakes last night because he was scratched. Because in the 7-1 game against Minnesota, he looked a lot like Madison Bowie. Oh. Yeah. So he was like plus three. Yeah. Even though he only scored one goal. Plus three turnovers? Did you guys? I, I was watch, looking at Twitter. You know, the Red Wings always put out the like final score picture. And it's like got the teams with the score and then a picture of what happened in the game yeah 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 well they tried to make the seven kind of look like the one (laughs) below it it was like the horizontal part of the seven was like really small so like kind of looked like a one i was like i don't know if this is intentional but it's hilarious you know what the the detroit red Wings social media team probably has the hardest job in all of hockey right now including goaltenders yes so they can cheat a little bit yeah i was uh when i was texting max a, a week or two ago i'm like the Red Wings social media manager must have the hardest job in sports, maybe just behind the Astros social media manager. Who's notably terrible at their job. I don't oh, feel oh. bad for anyone in that organization. Man, there is an account about the Astros, like tracking every time the Astros get donked by a pitch. And it is just so fun. It's called like, the Houston Astros uh, Tour of Shame or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, I've seen, seen that, that one. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think they've gotten hit seven times in like – five preseason games the over under is set at like 85 or 89 hit by pitch this season and i just want to smash the over so badly i got my life savings on that one i don't understand we were we're not going to go too far into this i don't know a thing about i don't really know anything about baseball to preface this conversation look if you're gonna cheat and get caught sorry if you're the commissioner and you found out that a team that won a world series in the season you got or in the season that you uh that they cheated and you don't strip them of their title obviously the whole league is going to revolt like you have everybody coming out and saying no screw the astros like without a doubt unrelenting booze hitting them with pitches uh, just berating them at every like every turn, and then they only got caught with like the the banging of the trash can. There's not to say like the buzzer under his shirt or all the other stuff that they might have been doing. Imagine cheating in professional sports and thinking you can get away with it. Well, I mean, people do all the time, but 
They don't yeah. get caught. They don't get caught like that. Yeah. Unless they stay case. ahead of the anti-cheating. But yeah, the, my, my two favorite things to come from this are one, all the excuses for why Altuve wouldn't take his jersey off after the home run. Just endless entertainment. It's like watching a grade one kid do something bad at school and trying to explain to the teacher it was the aliens who actually did it. Mm-hmm. And two, Manfred coming out and saying, if anybody intentionally plunks these players in retribution, there will be justice, to which I'm pretty sure every pitcher in the league just looked at him and went, okay, boomer. <laughs> okay, sir. <laughs> you can tell the pitchers to not or to do these things and they'll get suspended, but... The pitchers are who they are. Like they're, they're like they're pitchers. What are you gonna do? Like, you, you, so what happens when they accidentally do get hit by a ball? Oh, they did it intentionally. Like, no. how can you possibly like navigate which was intentional, oh, which wasn't? It's our- I mean, if it's a fastball right into the back, <laughs> <laughs> that might be intentional. Well, uh, the first. It's funny too because the first one, uh, where I think it was the first one in spring training where an Astros player got hit. Like it was very obviously just a changeup that got away from the pitcher, and yeah. everybody's like, "Look at this!" I think there was and one. And then the, the next one was a fastball to the ribs, and you're like, "Okay." There I we think go. there was one the other day where the guy threw like it was a 97 mile an hour fastball, and he hit. I think it was, uh, I think it was Alex Bregman he hit, and he like went up and he's like, "I didn't mean to do that." He's like, "I'm sorry, sorry." He's like, "That one got away," but all the other pitchers are like, "Eh, it's okay." Even if it gets away, it got away from me. I don't feel bad about it, but I'm just saying it did. Uh, for those of you who hate non-hockey stuff, I promise, in like just a second here, we're gonna get back to it. You want to know what the most damning stat with all of this is? Like, oh, there's there's tangible proof. Clayton Kershaw's one of the best pitchers ever. His breaking balls uh, in the World Series against the Astros in 2017, there was not one swing and a miss against him. Not a single one. They sat back on every breaking ball that Clayton Kershaw threw. You know, remember the game where they beat the Jays 17 to 1? Yeah. Um, That was one of the highest... um, Like highest... Highest number of bangs that they were (laughs) able to catch on, like, re-looking at the tape. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. This is a Hockey Detroit Red Wings podcast. I am a uh, very sick Ryan Hanna. I am a soon-to-be-sick Brad Crisco. I'm a forever sick Evan. <laughs> that is, I, I think that's our best one yet. That's uncoordinated. Uh, I was saying this morning, I was sniffling. I sound like you, Evan. Uh, on today's podcast, uh, we are going to talk, obviously, about the Red Wings, uh, the games they've played, uh, their outlook for the season, some updates uh, in their pipeline. Uh, we're going to be talking about the playoffs across the NHL, what the outlook is like, uh, some prospect stuff for this year's draft and beyond. And then we'll see. I don't know. Not a ton has happened since uh, Thursday, but that's okay. I think we needed a, a little bit of a content break. We are kind of sprinting there for a little while. My Twitter mentions were I, I couldn't keep up with them. Um, it was it was a, a week where, like, I could have just copy and pasted the phrase, yeah, I get what you're saying, but you missed the point. <laughs> and I could have just put that, like, in every one of my responses and it would have sufficed. I've said that a lot. I get your broader point, but... And then I realize anytime you're using that, that person is not going to understand what you're saying. Yeah. You've already lost. Exactly. Uh, so as we were we were recording last episode on a Thursday night, the Red Wings began their game against the Wild. And it was like 3 um, nothing by the time we finished recording. 7-1 the final score of that game. Yeah, it doesn't even hurt anymore. <laughs> the There's that sign floating around. From a protest, like our expectations were low, but holy fuck, that's my that was my only thought going into that or coming out of that. 
it doesn't hurt. It's just like, man, the, the, the timing was funny because we did a whole segment on Blasio that episode and, you know, the merits to bringing him back versus has the team actually given up or is it just like a low- Have we killed Jimmy Howard? Whoa, Jimmy Howard's dead. Are we killing Dylan Larkin? Did you see that picture of him hanging like a... He's going to look like McDavid did that. What was that last year or two years ago? Where he yeah. was just totally dejected. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dylan Larkin has a very nicely trimmed goatee, but he's like a week away from the depression beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we've talked about this before. And like the general understanding is, yeah, this is probably a risk, but I wouldn't read too much in- into it. Um, a season like this can do some damage. And it's hard to break out of it. I'm not saying permanent damage. It's not like Dylan Larkin will never be good again. But there is a culture of winning, a mentality that you need to succeed in the NHL. Brian, you're going 6-12 there in a hurry. Oh, I have the worst mic stand out of all of us. i got to switch mine out with one of yours. No. I like mine. Ugh. Firm. Whoa. Well, <laughs> uh, and that's this week's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Yep. Thanks for being weird with us. Um this like it's it's taking its toll and like between Hironic having to play like what forty nine minutes a night and Dylan Larkin taking the heat for all of this and being the de facto captain and and obviously so invested in the game like this sucks and it's it, like these guys are gonna have to learn how to play better hockey and then they have to learn how to win as well and this is why we keep the prospects as far out of Detroit as humanly possible yeah. They are young. They need to focus on their development. And coming into an absolute dumpster fire like this season has been would serve them no purpose. Even if they're playing against NHL caliber players, it's basically a charity game. It honestly they is. Just, they just beat you so bad there's no learnings to come out of this. We assumed Mort Sider was going to be coming up for his nine games this year. And then two things happened. Um, one, he uh, had that concussion, which I believe he's still out for. And two, uh, the Detroit Red Wings, this is going to sound silly, threw in the towel on the season. They did before the season started. Uh, but when they dealt Athens to see you, it's very much a feeling of, all right, let's just get to the finish line now. Brad, I think you retweeted someone this week was talking about um, the percentage of points for quote unquote veteran players. Oh yeah, I saw that. And, it and was, I retweeted the whole thing. Yeah, it was staggering. I think they tagged us all, and then you retweeted it, and it was like obscenely low the number of points produced by quote unquote veteran players on this team compared to everyone else in the league with their veteran players. Which is more horrifying when you factor in. I, I forget what the age cutoff was to be the uh, veteran. It was either 26, 27 or 28, but there's a pretty even split on the team around those age brackets. So it's not hard yeah. to think. So in a team in a rebuild, it's not shocking that the young players would be carrying the load. And I think the That's young, ideally what you would want, what, what you would want. And, um, because generally the numbers like back it up. Well, yeah, no crap. The under 26 crowd is producing the most points. That's 75% of the team. Of course they're producing. The Red Wings are the second oldest team in the league. And yeah, the, that's not good. <laughs> and the under 26, 27, 28 crowd, however much it is, has produced almost 80% of the team's points this year. That is staggering. And I haven't, I just thought of this now, but the one thing we should, j- just to really rub salt in the wounds, that use that same split and now figure out percentage of cap hit. No, no, let's not do that. 
this is a, quickly this is three nothing and having that conversation will turn this into a seven one game yeah <laughs> I don't need, three nothing's bad enough <laughs> look i'm rocking a cup of tea for this episode of the podcast i don't have the fortitude to go through that right now yeah it's not good but i mean if if you ask anyone who watched five to ten games of the red wings you, they would say no kidding that's obvious <laughs> Yeah, but when it's 75% of the lineup that's producing 20% of the offense, I, I got to go find those tweets now because I got to read out the exact numbers so we're not just talking out our I house. have them up here if you want. Oh, yeah. Read it, please. It's, uh, read the thread. It's Matt, Matt, and I'm sorry, Matt, if I'm mispronouncing your name, but Matt Kozlerik said, um, Wings have scored 130 goals this season. This was as of February 27th, so before the Ottawa game. Uh, only 28 of those goals have come from skaters over uh, the age of 26. Oh, my God. It was 26. That's worse. <laughs> Likewise, the Wings have scored 357 points, and only 91 points have come from uh, players over 26. That means the Red Wings veterans have contributed 22% of the team's goals and 25% of the team's points. For comparison, the Senators players over 26 have contributed over 50% of the team's points, the second lowest team production from a 26-plus player, 26-plus uh, years old players, Columbus with 173 points. <gasps> that's almost double, and that's next worst. Um, so, yeah, if you're wondering whose rebuild was going better, Detroit or Ottawa's, uh, there's your answer. No, uh, yeah, it's Ottawa. It's of course Ottawa. Of course, Ottawa. we talked. Oh, someone, one of us asked this last episode, and the answer was, yeah, they have Kachuk, they have Shabbat, they have three first-round picks. So they're they, they have an owner that's actively trying to destroy the team, and they're still doing better. It's, and they only get sixty-five percent uh, capacity fill at the arena. Uh, Detroit can't be far off that man. When I was at the game on Sunday, that arena was half filled. At I, best. I don't know how they determine that. Best. I, I don't know if it's based on ticket sales. Ticket sold. Yeah, so that's bad. We know Detroit sells a lot of tickets, but don't fill the seats. Well, it's how many of those tickets sold are the like Motor City Casino comps? Yeah, or stuff like that. Oh. You know, companies that the Illich's own. Okay. Well, this is the same thing that happened with the Leafs forever. You know what though? Like this, I think this is a testament, and I'm being a homer here. I know uh, this is a testament to the Red Wings fan base. This is a very intelligent, hockey loving fan base that goes back generations. They're smart hockey fans. Red Wings fans are smart hockey fans, and they're not going to show up for this product, plain and simple. They're not going to pay their their hard-earned dollars for uh, in a brand-new arena so the tickets are more expensive for a terrible product. And it's just – it's simple math like that. And their ticket prices are still among the highest in the league, and it's tone deaf. Because Eisenman's coming out – because, again, I – Okay, let me preface this by saying I agree with the entire approach Eisenman's taking to this rebuild, okay? Let's get that out of the way. But as a fan, when I see his press conference earlier this week, and he's alluding to three, four, five more years of this shit, fans are going to check out. I'm sorry, but the Illiches are going to get restless because this arena is going to be half full for three years. And that ain't great for business. And that's the reality. But you want to spend to the cap, you need to make money. Well, if you're not making any money, you can't spend to the cap when you are getting good so they need to figure something out and i know no business in the history of business is ever going to drop prices on everything but if there is one price increase on tickets over the next three years it's only going to get worse like way worse i think a good strategy would be to do things more for the weeknight games obviously people are still going to attend the weekend games the, know, the toronto games I don't know, man. I was there on a Sunday. It was empty. No, no, he means like the Friday. Friday, Saturday. Friday, yeah. Saturday, yeah. yeah. So like the midweek stuff, they, they have to get creative. But at the end of the day, it, everybody wants to support a winner. And when you're getting dogged 7-1 and 
Jimmy Howard looks like he would rather be anywhere else because he's just has shelled every single night. I can't blame people for not showing up. It's not even fun to go watch like, oh, you, you the other team's coming in. Oh, I really have never seen Ovechkin play. I haven't seen Sidney Crosby play. It's not even exciting to go see that because the other team may as well just be a bunch of pylons. Yeah, it's I, I know I've, I sound like a broken record. I've beaten this to death so many times this year, but I could handle this if they were an entertaining team. If they were still dead last, but let's say only by five points instead of 19 and they were, you know, let's say 20th in the league in goals for and 31st in goals against. I would much prefer that because the games would be entertaining. They are the lowest event, boring team in the league and 19 points worse than the next worst team. It is unwatchable. We, th- this is how I knew, know we've hit rock bottom. Last Uh-oh. night. In- That's rock- a famous, famous saying. <laughs> Rockest, <laughs> bottomist, squared. Er, rockamist, bottomist, er. <laughs> Last night after the game against Ottawa, Red Wings fans were like, hey, not a bad game. They played all right, went to overtime, you know, fairly good effort. Everybody was fairly positive after losing to the what 29th place team? That was a toilet bowl game. That was that was our our victory was losing in a shootout to a team that is also devastatingly bad. Hey, small victory. Uh Jeff Blashill didn't put Franz Nielsen out in that shootout. That was mm, it was beautiful. He put well, who was it? It was Larkin, Bertuzzi, and Fabry. Fabry. Still can't believe Mantha isn't used in those, but whatever. It's fine. I'm I'm good with those three. I'm not gonna nitpick here. But man, Sam Gagne, put the new guy in. I would have mine would have been Gagne, Timoshov, Bernier. Yeah, legitimately, <laughs> I would have done it. Just I I'm Team Chaos. I think now. Gagne used to have pretty decent hands back in his prime he's I got think. he's got one of the grossest shootout goals in nhl history where he came in faked the shot did that backhand toe drag goalie bit on it he pulled it back across with his backhand in one move and then just buried it it was disgusting yes that slightly tingles my memory a little bit i we're going to talk more about sam Gagne in a second but just our last point on all of this is um, as as hard as it is to be in this part of the rebuild, you know, as a fan and you're watching like an empty arena and terrible hockey, I think it's worth stating that this is expected and this is a normal part of the cycle when you stave off a rebuild for as long as the Red Wings did. The highs were high, but this low was always going to be this low. I think, I think the low is more painful because we're so boring. Yeah, and that's fair. Like everyone has a right to be frustrated and has a right to be bored and has a right to be, you know, upset that they're not watching good hockey. And it's it's all part of the process. I think Eisman's right in doing what he's doing. I think the fans are right to not wanting to for not wanting to show up to games if it's not going to be fun for them. Um and you know what? With the whole ticket prices, it's a brand new arena. It's a brand new arena. It's it's to be expected. I hope the prices do fall eventually, um, but the 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 butts will be in the seats. Like we've been there when. Uh, I mean, we have kind of a rose tinted outlook on it because we go to the home opener. Yeah, we go in to the, the last opener. game of the season, which is more of a celebration than anything. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a memorial. It's a celebration of life. Exactly. On that note, I I might be going to the game this Friday if anyone's there. So shoot me a message. Who are they playing? Chicago. That'll be good for. Chicago. Well, well, they're. Uh, Let me know how Kirby Doc does. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you want to hear the answer to that. Um, 
not as good as I thought he would have done. Yeah, so the, Red, plus. the Red Wings lost to the Senators last night in a shootout. All three shootout chances were pretty uninspired. But besides that, it was a good game. Uh, hey, I like Larkin's cut back backhand. He just didn't sell a shot enough. Yeah, I know. Uh, Sam Gagne scored his first goal as a Red Wing, which was cool. That was neat. I'm good with Sam Gagne as a depth center moving forward. He's a winger. He's going to be a depth center for Detroit. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have a choice. It's a fair point. Timoshov looked good. Yeah, uh, 11 minutes of playing time. Yeah, he yeah. was. He didn't do anything super impactful, but he didn't uh, also do anything devastatingly stupid. So, you know, that's a plus. That's a plus player on this team. The only reason Timoshov was able to play yesterday is because he uh, was in Canada already and uh, the Red Wings played in Ottawa, and so he was able to join the team. He still doesn't have his uh, passport yet or his visa for the States. Okay. He How will. Does that work? If you're, he was playing on Toronto, right? So what happens when they have games in the states? Was he not allowed to go there? Well, it's because he was working for a Canadian employer and then just traveling with them. Oh, but if, oh I see. Yeah, I see. so if you're home, like if you're all of a sudden working out of right Michigan, all of this is very complicated. Don't ask me. A Ukrainian unable to travel across borders. Thanks, Putin. <laughs> uh, speaking of Timoshov, you ever like? You see something happen. You have a lot of questions about it, but you don't want to follow up because you like the mystery of as to how it all transpired. Hmm. Yeah, Dmitry Timoshov had a backhand breakaway pass to Alex Biega last night. Yeah, I think I missed that. I think I looked down for a second. Yeah, I, I literally – I don't remember anything leading up to the play because, I again, I'm watching the Red Wings. I'm in a state of just um, – a zombie mode, we'll call it. But yeah, I saw the pass going. I saw, oh, break. Oh, that's Alex Biega. He's a little bulldog, eh? Okay. All right. Jack Blashill's art of war. <laughs> <laughs> Watching B. I remember when we got Biega and we said, like, you know, don't get too high. Biega's not a needle mover. He's literally just a body. And some people were like, he works really hard. He could be this, like, team's Joe Hicketts. And you know what? Those people weren't wrong. He's exactly like Joe Hicketts, works his butt off, does his best, doesn't have the raw talent to, like, cut it in the show on a good team but i like watching the guy oh yeah he's he's smart and he works hard it's about all i can say positive about the guy because again talent wise like you said there isn't really any there but smart and works hard is better than half this team um during the broadcast ken daniels casually mentioned that it's uh expected that jonathan erickson is going to return home uh, back to sweden after his contract expires this year implying that he'll be retiring from the nhl something that we all kind of expected uh, i don't think anyone really thought he would be at least thought he wouldn't be signed back to the red wings but um it's not like an official confirmation but if if kenny is saying it then it's probably pretty valid and it makes sense you think he gets his farewell tour before they retire his number Stop. Stop. You think I, they'll call him up if there are a bunch of injuries just for the sake of... He played last night. He's playing right now. Oh. Yeah. Well, I don't watch. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's literally what's happening. There's a bunch of injuries and he, he keeps getting called back up. Y- you may as well. Could we possibly get worse? Probably. <laughs> I don't know how, but may as well. Well, speaking of it, how could it get worse? Uh, the Red Wings remaining games this season are, uh, I believe, the hardest schedule in the NHL. Well, yeah, of course the Red Wings have the hardest strength of schedule. The only team, They're the only team that doesn't get to play the Red Wings. <laughs> Colorado, Chicago, Tampa Bay, Carolina, uh, Washington, Tampa Bay again, Florida, Arizona, Vegas, Boston, Philly, Washington, St. Louis. Oh, my God. They oh, pay- my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I, oh, my God. They, pay, they play one non-playoff team. 
And that's Chicago. Yeah. Well, two two if we count Detroit, Florida. Knowing Detroit, we're going to get one loss. No, oh, of course. Every time I say it. Hey, but at least this year we won't catch up to 30th. Yeah, it's true. We'll still be last. <laughs> they are. Oh, my God. They are going to shatter Colorado's record. Yes. Oh, sorry. And then there's also um, Toronto and Tampa Bay after that. Much better. Yeah. How many games left are there? Uh, Too many. Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> I'm going to try and pull up the standings here. I think there's like 14 games. Or 14 something. games left. How many points do we have? Oh, not a lot. Five? Uh, I'm going to pull this up. So the Red Wings have uh, 15 wins, 35 points in 67 games. So they have 15 games left. So in order to catch Colorado, they need to get 13 points in 15 games. That should be so attainable for any other team. Oh my, that's a well, that, that's that, not even a 500 record. Well, and I have absolutely zero faith that they're going to do it. They might, based on that schedule, if they get six points, I'm thrilled. Detroit they, has a... Point two six percentage uh, points per games played. So I've uh, this is our I'm resident like, mathematician. Everything this is for a context. I'm doing this on the fly. So you know, out of the number of games we played, each game we get point two six points. There you go. With the remaining schedule, we're going to get seven point eight points, which would put us at forty three points. Is that what you said? Yeah, just about forty three points. This will, I'm, I'm still taking the under. This will be. This will probably be the worst team in the cap era. Do the Red Wings get 40 points? They're on five pa- more points. They're on pace for 43 right now. I just did the quick math on that, and uh, given there's oh, given the strength of the, in this room. <laughs> given well, you said point. You you made it sound way more complicated than it needs to be. I simplified. In fairness, you did make that very complicated. Although I think that was for yourself. It's more a than Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, given that schedule. 40 points, I'm giving a 50-50. I'm going under. Um, Just based on the teams they have to play. If there was a bunch of LAs or Ottawas or anyone not in the playoffs, like the Leafs. Like every one (laughs) of these teams is going to have something to play for every game. The only one that they might not is the last game against Tampa because Tampa's probably got whatever spot in the Atlantic The rest every single person. Literally don't even cheer for Red Wings wins if you don't want to. Just cheer for San Jose and Ottawa to win to reduce Ottawa's lottery pick chances. Yes. Um, moving away from the terrible Red Wings, uh, you guys. Hey, see- both Ottawa and San Jose won last night. Yeah, it was good. There you go. Was did San Jose play last night? Yeah, they beat Pittsburgh five nothing. Hmm. That's like a four point night for Ottawa, which they don't want. No, um, <laughs> they are still third and fourth last in the league. Although they are gaining on Anaheim and New Jersey, so I uh, could move so to the back. Also, cheer against Anaheim and New Jersey. Cheer against cheer against Ottawa. Do we want to cheer against New Jersey? Do we really need their odds going up though? Ottawa's got the statistical odds here, but New Jersey's got the voodoo. A literal deal with the devil. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, over to the AHL, did you guys see Joe Valeno's goal or his uh, sequence? He's on fuego. Yes, he is. That guy's hot right now. Um, he had a great he had a great goal. Um, it was like a 200 foot play where you know he pulled the puck in from behind his own red line. A lot of body fakes, a lot of protecting the puck. One very near miss in terms of being like lit up at his own blue line. But then uh, it was a little give and go. And then he finished. How many goals does he have in his past few games? I have no idea. There's many. Yeah. Uh, he's been hot. And that's good to see because Joe Valeno needs to be, barring any changes in this draft, uh, needs to be this team's two slash three centermen. So uh, it's good to see Joe it's, Valeno heating it's up. It's two. It's two right now. It's two. I, I say that because... 
I'm still one of the few people who thinks Michael Rasmussen's going to be a winger, despite how hard we're trying to shoehorn him in back at center. But yeah, he's going to have to be the two. I think he's better than Michael Rasmussen too. So. Yeah. Oh yes. I th- look, Michael Rasmussen. Michael Rasmussen's ahead in his development because of age and size. But long term, yeah, no, Valeno's the better player. Uh, yeah, you know what? You as a Red Wings fan, you have to hope for as much as you can with Rasmussen right now. But we have to stop comparing him to the rest of that draft class or the people they could have taken. Like, it's not a good draft class, so that's helping at least. It's really just Nikash and Suzuki and Suzuki and maybe Velarde now that he's playing. Yeah, it only took him ten seconds to score. That was great. Yeah, that was like a slap in the face. <laughs> Lilligren. Eh, he's not established as an NHL regular yet on one of the worst defenses in the league. So I'm not getting ahead of putting the cart ahead of the horse here. Uh, Carter Guylander, Red Wings goalie pros- uh, prospect, won AJHL goalie of the year. On a super stack team, but still, it's good. Where is he committed to next year again in the NCAA? Colgate, Colgate. I believe. That sounds great. Um, which is good for the Red Wings goalie pipeline. We're hearing about Petrozelli. We're hearing about Guylander, which is nice because um, Larson's been having a down year. So Has he played? Larson? Is he's he still he, injured? He's been hurt. I think he came back and then got lost hurt to him. Again. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, in rough news, Otto Kivan Mackey took a terrible, terrible hit to the head. Um, really rough play. He's small, right? Like over in Finland, like he's tiny and he was just like out. It was one of the uglier hits to the head that I've seen. Um, his mom took to social media after and said uh, he's doing fairly well considering the circumstances. Um, he was conscious and, and, you know, had mobility and everything. Um, she said his season is over, uh, maybe even his career, but they're just hoping he can even recover right now. And then the team, I think, um, contacted her and said, let us do the communications. And that might be because they don't want her to get bombarded with questions, but that might be because they don't want her to you know, get ahead of anything or, or speak too soon. So whatever it is, we're hoping for a speedy recovery with Otto Kevin Mackey. Really, really ugly hit. Terrible. You see to someone bleeding from the back of their head. I think the general understanding is they might be done playing hockey, but that is up to them to decide. Was he bleeding from the back of his head? Yes. Oh, Ugh, God. And he's so small. I too. don't think we need to ask the question, oh, when are you coming back? Why don't you just assume that there may not? Um, yeah, that, that's not <laughs> – he's not going to be playing again this year. All right, let's, go, let's take a look around the league to see uh, the playoff race and what it's like. Um, Florida trading away – uh, Vincent Trocek really was just a weird move because they are now um, not in the driver's seat for the third uh, divisional seat in the Atlantic anymore. Toronto holds that spot. They've lost every game since the trade, haven't they? Yeah, in- including one to Toronto in a after a first period where it looked like both teams were actively trying to lose. Yeah. Why? I just don't. I really don't understand that trade. Well, if you're if the ownership is dictating they cut 10 million in salary is to be believed mm. they they did beat arizona one day after the trade oh, okay there you go. Um, all, all is better regardless the wild card race in the east is pretty much just like four metropolitan teams um and then there's also 
you know, Montreal and Buffalo are kind of behind the pack. They're not going to be making it. Buffalo's now realizing after their terrible road trip that it's over. Yeah, after they just were buyers at the deadline. You know, great management there. Bizarre. Uh, Philly's been insanely hot. Eight and two in their last ten, and they're all of a sudden challenging for first in the Metro against yeah. Washington. You want to talk about surprising? Go tell me how many points out of a playoff spot the New York Rangers are right now. Yeah, they, they are on fire. They are two points out of a playoff spot with two games in hand. After the year after, or what, a year or two after they sent out, yeah, we're starting the rebuild letter to their fans. Just kidding. We're good. They are. Are we St. Louis? <laughs> yeah, good for them. Speaking of St. Louis, uh, firm grasp on the West. Vegas, they lead the Central. Vegas leads the Pacific. <laughs> Speaking of on fire, uh, Vegas is what, 10 1 and 2 in February or something like something close to that? Yeah, 8 1 and 1 in their last 10. And Mark Just, Stone's out right now crazy uh arizona or sorry minnesota is um technically one point out of a wild card spot although there are two teams ahead of them although they do have games at hand on those two teams so minnesota is all of a sudden challenging for a playoff spot minnesota this is who they are ryan they are never gonna finish higher than seventh and lower than tenth this is them would you rather be minnesota right now or detroit detroit because at least we know what we're doing we, we did the whole mediocre train for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. They do not have any superstars in their roster. Maybe you can make a case for Ryan Suter, but he's getting pretty old. Their prospect pipeline isn't particularly good. And their cap situation also isn't particularly good where they're talking about trading Zach Parisi to acquire Andrew Ladd. Uh, yeah. No, Minnesota is going to be what Detroit was circa 2014, except they're going to be that for 10 years. All right. We are going to move into some prospect talk, uh, both about this season and upcoming seasons. And we're going to start that with your guys' favorite, a tankathon. Uh, well, the the fourth one we ran last time was... <laughs> <laughs> we're running one, unless you guys force me to do more. If you end up with Ottawa one and two again, we're running it until you don't get that. Winnipeg Jets first, Montreal second, Ottawa third by way of San Jose, Detroit fourth. Bite me. At least I like Winnipeg. No. <laughs> no if, if we're not getting Lafreniere I want to put him on a rocket to the Western Conference okay a jet to the Western Conference attaboy um, they don't have an airport though so it's got to be close by you know how <laughs> we're sending him to Thunder Bay and yeah. he's got a hitchhike oh I should say we uh, I made a mistake last episode and I when we stopped recording I was like I feel like I'm wrong about that and then people told me the mistake I made I went oh, I'm so dumb remember when we were talking about Red Wings trades and we were talking about like the worst or like uh, one player you could have kept. And someone said, uh, I believe it was Adam Oates. And I was like, didn't they trade him when he was old? I said that. No, it was like when he was a rookie. Yeah. They traded him when he was young and it was a devastatingly bad trade for the Red Wings. Uh, I mixed him up with Paul Coffey, who they traded in his late 30s, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Early, third, early to mid 30s. Yeah. So either me or Evan has to apologize for that one. Well, I said they traded Adam Oates. Oh, and then I said, yeah, they didn't they trade? Yeah. Well, stupid of me. Um, all right. I'm going to do this tankathon one more time because that one's boring. And the Red Wings are fourth again. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Red Wings are picking fourth. Not one team in the top three of that one, though, is in the Atlantic. So that's a plus. What would you sacrifice for us to draft first overall? Like you, what realm are we talking? Like my personal life? <laughs> oh, not whatever. Uh-oh. But realistic. Like not something that's stupid. Like you'd give up like carpentry or something, even though you don't do any of that. I don't know. I have a custom uh, podcast table in my home. I'd give up this table in a heartbeat. 
I would unpack it right now and ship it off to somebody. This is the nice table, nicest table I'd, I've ever seen in my life. I would learn how to build a table. I would build another one of these identical to it and then give away both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this custom podcast table built by Daniel Rossi of RD Woodworking. If you haven't checked it out, uh, look at us on YouTube. Um, Daniel, I love you, but I would give up this table for Alexi Lafreniere. Not Quentin Byfield. That wasn't the, my thing, though. Like I'm just saying, like... What would you sacrifice to get the first overall pick this year? A lot. I, I'm trying to... I wouldn't go to a Red Wings game for five years. That's not that bad. I wouldn't do that either. Yeah. I wouldn't go to the Red Wings game for five years if you guaranteed me three playoff years in those years. I would give up making fun of Brad. Mm, I can't do that. That one's tough. <laughs> I know. I would give up coffee for Alexis Lafreniere's entire career. Ah, uh, That's hard. That's really hard. I would. I too would give up coffee. Shut for up. That. <laughs> and I am the not the worst morning person, but I am. I'm in that competition, and I would give up. I would give up caffeine I'm in the not, morning. Would you, now you're making a hard caffeine. Uh, no energy drinks. No tea. No, no coffee. Pills, no maybe. caffeine pills. No for no form of stimulant. Translation: Evan's willing to make himself healthier for Alexi <laughs> Lafreniere. Uh, I don't know. I. Everybody else around him will be more miserable, but he'll feel better. I really don't know if I could do it. I'd get fired, I think. Oh. Eh. Um, you just take up smoking or something. You know, we talk about the, <laughs> the Red Wings and uh, how they're going to do this for three or four more years. You know how to stop doing that? You get yourself an Alexi Lafreniere. Like an Austin, what Austin Matthews did for Toronto. You get yourself a yeah, Lafreniere. They also had Marner, Nylander, you know, Morgan Riley. Yeah, Nazem Kadri already from previous years. Yeah. yeah. Do we have any of those? No, we don't. Yeah, Dylan Larkin and Anthony have a, Mantha. Yeah, but those are the veterans. Yeah, but who are, like, who are rookies with Matthews going to be? Zadina, kind of? That's good. Cider, which is good. Okay, think about it, though. Lafreniere, Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi, uh, Zadina, Bert, uh, Bertuzzi again, Fabry, Cider, Hronik. There's a lot there. Sam Gagne is in shambles right now. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Well, Sam Gagne is our 1C, obviously. Um, no, you, you need to look forward to trying to accelerate the rebuild, which is essentially what you're doing. You're, you're skipping steps when you win the draft lottery. Winning the draft lottery in 2022, though. Yes. Next year, this year's draft, very, very, very strong, especially the top end. Next year's draft, as of right now, not so much. The year after that, Probably going to be better than this one. You think better than this one? Shane Wright just just matched, as of last night, matched and passed Connor McDavid's rookie numbers in the OHL. At the same age. They were both 15. With, with fewer the exceptional games played, status. right? Yeah, in fewer games played. So right now, Shane Wright is outscoring Connor McDavid at the same age in the same league. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Connor McDavid, but holy crap. Someone asked us a question of uh, who would you assign as a, um, a generational talent or a generational player. And I think that's a term that's supposed to be used very sparingly in the only generational first overall picks playing right now. Sidney Crosby, uh, Alex Ovechkin, and Connor McDavid. That almost feels like too many. because That is too many. That's not a generation. Doesn't matter. There's, For, there's no. at least a 10-year gap between McDavid and Crosby. So, all right. Crosby, right. Crosby and Ovechkin was anomalous, though. Ovechkin's the greatest yeah. goal scorer of all time. Yeah, that's fair. Sidney Crosby's the best player of his generation. 
Yeah. Um, does Shane Wright or Alexi Lafreniere approach that status? Lafreniere, no. Um, he's going to be a franchise player. If you want to narrow it down, whatever team he ends up on, he's probably going to be the best player on that team for the next 15 years. Um, unless he ends up on Pittsburgh or Edmonton. Um, but yeah, it, Shane Wright might be. He legitimately might be. He He's already over 30 goals and he turned 16 less than a month ago. He is a freak, but he's not the freak. This is where Shane Wright is going to be an interesting case study because he's not like Connor McDavid. He doesn't have that one trait that you just look at McDavid skating and go, yeah, everything else about his game could suck and that will carry him. Shane Wright is like more in the sense of Crosby. He's really, really good at everything, not elite at one particular thing, but he thinks the game better than everybody else on the ice. Like Shane Wright is more Crosby than McDavid, but uh, to what skill level? We don't know. Based on his current production, he might be in that conversation. All right. So Lafreniere this year, uh, the Reddings will draft anywhere from fourth to seventh next year as a penance. And then the year after, uh, they shoot up the draft lottery and get Shane Wright. And all of a sudden, we got ourselves a playoff team. If we have Alexi Lafreniere and Shane Wright, and even half of Valeno, Rasmussen, Cider, and who the hell ever else you want to pick pan out, cup in 10 years, within 10 years, almost guaranteed. Because <laughs> Wright and Lafreniere is disgusting. Disgusting. So that's not going to happen. No, so no chance. Uh, Zero chance. If we get one of those two guys, I'm over. But a Raymond and a right or anyone. Hell yeah. Right. <laughs> I'd still bet on a cup in 10 years. I think for our own sanity, we can't start talking about t- 2022. We have nothing else to talk about. <laughs> it's all depressing. All right. We're going to do one more mock dr- or uh, uh, tankathon. And we'll do a quick who would you pick at the spot. So think right now of who you pick at pick four. Who would you pick at pick two? <laughs> Quentin Byfield. You got it. I'm not overthinking this just yet. No, it's still Quentin Byfield. I'm seeing more and more talk of, you know, is he going to be a bust? Da, 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 da. No, I don't think that's it. I think we, we're we overthinking it with Quentin Byfield. Quentin Byfield's the safest pick in this draft because his raw tools are so good. He's going to he be plays on the NHL. Let's like. say we draft Quentin Byfield. Do you think he plays on the team next year? Yes, 100%. Because of his size, yeah. And his raw tools. The only questions I have with Byfield are, are, isn't, are his tools elite? It's, are they elite enough to put him in the upper echelon of the NHL? I could see him just being like, ah, his worst case scenario to me is a pretty good second liner. That's like his worst case in my mind. Oh, he could be a whole bust. With that skating, those hands and that shot, you're telling me he can't be a productive NHLer? If his, Yeah, 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 that's fine. Yeah, if his brain keeps up with his tools, which is, I think, the big question about him, like, is does he think the game at the level of a Lafreniere or whoever else? He's a first-line center, perennial all-star, hands down, no questions asked. But that is a question mark. But like well, I said, just his package, his skills are elite in every sense. Well, there are no good, holes. Thank goodness we've got a top-notch coach who can develop his hockey God. sense. And we'll get it in there while he's still young and very moldable. Oh, God damn it. Uh, someone made a good point when our whole Blashill conversation, and it's not a new one. It's something we've talked about, is even though 
you can do what I was doing last episode and make, you know, an argument for Eisenman keeping Blashill and uh, why it doesn't matter right now or why maybe technically you do have to give him more of a chance. You can't bank on Gallant and Lambert and whoever else being there next offseason. Exactly. You have a wealth of talent available in coach free agency right now. And if any of those guys, like Gallant just kept mentioning the Red Wings during his trade deadline coverage, like if those, any of those guys want to come to Detroit, you kind of have to do it. Yes. Uh, unless Eisman really is looking forward to 2022 and wants this team to be a bottom feeder until then. If there is something that we as close observers of the team do not understand about Blashill, it's the best kept secret of all time. <laughs> Because we watched these games, we watched the press conferences, we watched everything the players and, and Blashill says, and we still don't get it. There's something that we just is the best kept secret of all time that we don't know. Well, we the, can't assume. Sorry. We can't assume to know everything that happens in the room, right? For sure. The best argument I have heard in Jeff Blashill's defense is well, the team's been so bad. What, what's he going to do? Nobody has presented any tangible evidence and said, here's what he here's what he actually does well. It's just I hasn't had anything to work with. Show me a good power play. Show me a good penalty kill. There have been horrible teams that have like a good PK or a good power play. Show me the universal development of young players, or at least more hits than misses. Show me a good system. Show me a good breakout. Show me anything tangible that a coach would provide to a team and say, this is what he does well. Cause that's the one thing I haven't gotten yet. When Blashill defenders come and say, my opinion is bad. I don't even care about that. I would, you know, if we're playing at least exciting hockey, but we just don't have the talent to, to win games. I'd be like, okay, at least Blashill's got some, some sort of system that makes this team entertaining and makes them dynamic, but there's nothing. Once nope. again, we fall back to ripping on Jeff Blashill. I apologize. <laughs> It's our catharsis for the it year. It really is. What uh, completely unrelated? What contract does Tyler Bertuzzi get? Um, I'm gonna say he's gonna get something close to a five by five. I'd be happy with five by five. I was gonna say that too, um, but I think due to the pain and suffering, he might actually require a, a bit more than that. Well, he, he, as long as the term is reasonable, I'm, I'm comfortable I giving him se- some more dollars. I, I started at 5.5, and then I was like, well, this is an absolute dumpster fire. So he might come in uh, – he'll come in much higher than that, like in terms of his asking. But, you know, if it was $6 million for five years, whatever. That'd take him to 30 years old. Um, he's currently making 1.4. He'll be an RFA at the end of it. I don't know. I think six would be the upper limit of what I'd want to give Tyler Bertuzzi. But – um, at the same time, you have to ask the questions, are his production, like, is his production going to stay all the time or is a lot of it born of playing with Larkin and sometimes Mantha? Um, I think he does deserve a lot of credit this season for some of the standalone stuff that he's done, but at the same time, give him term for sure. He's 24, 25 right now. I don't know if I'd give him term with six. If he wants term, oh sure, buddy, we can go six, seven years. But uh, that that contract, that dollar number, starting with a four. Would you go? Would you go? Your mic's erect again. Oh god. Would you go six by five and a half? Six years. Uh, yeah. Not at that cap hit. No. I would. I, I'm fine with the cap hit or the term, but not both. If he wanted to do that cap hit at three or four years, I'm good with it. If he wanted to do the six years, fine, but I'm not paying that much per year. Uh, Mantha, who's seven months older and who will be 26 with the start of next season, what does he get? 
a lot more. <laughs> seven? You go seven by eight for Mantha? Uh, I go seven by seven for him. Yeah. Keep things nice and aesthetically pleasing. I'm very... I'm. His injury concerns will definitely play a factor into his contract, whether that impacts term or dollars. Yeah. Um, so that contract, I think, will be a little bit more tricky than people really give their first opinion for. Okay, what what scares you more? I'm not. I'm, I know they're different players, so their cap hits are going to be different regardless. But what scares you more, Tyler Bertuzzi's reliance on his line mates or Anthony Mantha's injury history? Uh, the Bertuzzi reliance on his line mates doesn't scare me because that's actually a positive to me. Like that's an effective guy who plays the way you want him to play. He plays with tenacity. He plays with heart. He plays with grit, with talent. Uh, he works his ass off. God damn, I'm getting Abdulkader flashback. Stop it, Ryan. Right, but the difference is, and that's the point I was getting to, is that when you slot him up, he actually is amplified. It's not like Abdulkader where they just shot the puck off his ass and he scored 20 goals. Like Bertuzzi, like he makes some good passes. He makes good plays. That behind the back pass to Larkin, that's what you want from a winger that's playing above, who's batting above his league, right? Like that's exactly what you want. In a perfect world, Bertuzzi's not a first line winger for the Red Wings, but he's doing damn well, well, damn well while he's there right now. In a perfect world, Tyler Bertuzzi is a first line winger for the Red Wings because I'm a believer in when you have the ability. To spread out the talent on your lineup, which I know I've been arguing to keep Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi together all year, but these are different circumstances where if you could put Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi on the first line, which then frees up to put Lafreniere, Valeno, and insert uh, guy, we'll say Robbie Fabry on the second line, which then allows you to put Michael Rasmussen, other good player, and other good player on the third line. If you can get that one complementary piece on each line, you now have three really good scoring lines instead of Two really good scoring lines. Yeah, I'm not. He's a condiment. He's a great condiment. Like he's ketchup he's on a burger. A, he's an S tier condiment. S tier. Like above A. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Uh, like what pickled onions we're talking about? No. Oh God, Brad's condiment list. <laughs> it Mayo. literally ends in onions. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only like hard no. Everything else is on the table. <laughs> you have you ever pickled onions? I've never uh, pickled probably. them, but I will put that all over my body. Yeah. Uh, I'll show you how to do it. It's dead simple. It's so good. Pickle <laughs> onions or put it on his body? Both. Both. <laughs> one's, one's Patreon exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the pickling the onions. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I I don't have the same fears about Abdulkader. I understand the formula there. Um, Abdulkader's never had hockey IQ or passing ability like Bertuzzi does and I'm not saying Bertuzzi has pickled onion tier (laughs) passing but he makes good plays if he can make your best players play well then he's a good player to have on your team Um, but then the counterpoint is Anthony Mantha drives the line his injuries have been varied and and that concerns me more like Anthony Mantha is very much uh, not a mental player but he's a momentum player when he scores, it comes it, – like when it rains, it pours with Mantha. When he scores, he doesn't stop scoring. And when he stops scoring, it takes a little bit for him to break out of that. If he keeps getting hurt and breaking himself out of a rhythm, he's not going to be able to establish himself as a consistent goal scorer. He has all the tools. You said once, Brad, that Anthony Mantha might be the most talented player this, on this team in terms of pure talent. And you're probably right about that. The problem is, is you can't 
there's so many like hockey terms here, but like it's he can't put it all together if he's not on the ice to do it. So yeah, that is a concern. Is it a concern where I'm all of a sudden not signing Mantha to a long-term deal? No, but if you're balancing the scales between Bertuzzi and Mantha, which one you're more concerned about? For me, it's Mantha. Stay healthy. Stop punching people. And stop. Well, thank goodness we've got a top-tier coach to teach him out of those things. Evan! I've said it twice, and I'll say it again. Oh, and with that, we're going to head over to Patreon to stop uh, Evan from uh, further depressing us. We're going to start overtime, uh, which is our Q&A period with Fans of the Wing Wheel podcast, starting with our Patreon supporters. Uh, The patrons are the people who make this show happen. So if you see them, thank them. Matt Cheney says, "Hey boys, I was gonna. Uh, I'm gonna give a warning to Brad, and I'll do that by telling the story of how I became a Wings fan. I was unfortunately born into a Leafs family. It was borderline child abuse to watch those games with my dad. Um, but one player on the Leafs always made me smile. Curtis Joseph, aka Cujo. I loved Cujo as a kid. He was the only player I knew, and I would scream his name when he made a big save. One day, I asked where Cujo was to my dad, and he said he signed for another team. I asked what that meant, and he said he has to play for the Red Wings now." I was four when this happened and vividly remember remember saying out loud, well, I guess I'm cheering for Detroit now. Next thing my dad knew, Red Wings stuff started pouring into his house. Mika's love for Athanasio reminded me so much of my love for Cujo as a kid. So, Brad, don't be surprised if some Oilers merch start, slowly starts appearing in your home. She's already asked for a jersey. No. I'm going to go for the third one, that really sick navy blue one. That's acceptable. Yeah, that's fine. Because you can reasonably say, oh, it was just a novelty. Yeah, exactly. Brad, you have a responsibility here. She she really really likes Bertuzzi too, so I'm I'm beating that horse to death right now with her. When she loses her first tooth, uh, you have to take make her a sign that says look like look Bertuzzi, I look just like you, and go to a game because she'll get a puck for that. And then bam, you want her back. There we go. Lonnie Zone says, haven't posted in a bit, so happy fifth anniversary to the podcast, guys. So while listening to the last podcast, there's a throwaway line about Adam Oates. I knew this would bite me in the ass. It felt like Grandpa Aditya had to tell the kids to gather around the fire to listen to a story. Adam Oates was an undrafted signee of the Red Wings, so he began his career uh, with us as a 2C to Eisman's 1C. Even as a young child, I could tell he was a great find and a valuable part of the team. I believe due to the playoff format at the time, where the first two rounds were in division, just like now, and the Norris, our division, was much worse than the Smythe division, the Red Wings managed to make it to the conference finals in 87 and 88, even though they were summarily annihilated by the Oilers. In 89, I feel the team, having regressed a bit, made a desperate move to trade Adam Oates and Paul McLean to the Blues for veterans Bernie Federko and Tony McKegney. I believe Federko only played one season for us and retired, and McKegney played a handful of games before being traded to Quebec. Basically, Paul McLean would outscore both players we acquired, not to mention uh, Adam Oates is... Adam Oates. And no, we weren't a better team after trading him. Honestly, it's probably the worst trade in the history of the franchise, though I have more suggestions for other cranky grandpa story times in the future. Should be noted that this Adam Oates was traded two days before the 89 draft, which we all know and love. It's understandable this trade was forgotten since we went on to have as much success as we did, but it's a good reminder that the same team conducted that trade, uh, that draft made that trade. And if we didn't do as well in that draft, uh, the next as we did, well, Wings fans will probably still be lamenting that trade to this day. Fortunately, it's already a bit of forgotten history. Uh, I once ran into Adam Oates at a Costco. Nice. Yeah. What is a guy like that doing at Costco? He's from Windsor. So Costco that's what people do at Windsor? In Windsor? That's yeah, you go to the Costco. Costco is the highlight of Windsor. Oh. Yeah. The okay. two best parts of Windsor, you're close to Detroit and there's a Costco. Uh, a small aside, as I was scrolling Twitter while you were reading that, a picture of Adam Oates popped up. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Adam Oates is from Windsor, right? Or am I mixing up with Graves? Oh, I always do this. 
No, he's from Western Ontario. Maybe I was mixing up with Graves. Ugh. Western Ontario. That's pretty. Weston. Oh, Weston. I don't know where that is, and I'm from Ontario. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't run into Adam Oates. Ryan Graves. Not Ryan Graves. Ugh. Adam Graves. Where was Adam Graves from? Windsor. Toronto. Who did I run into? Nothing I know in my life is accurate anymore. Uh, Matt says, hey, guys, can you give us the Winged Wheel podcast origin story? When and how did you guys meet? What inspired you to start the podcast? Mainly Reddit. Yeah, Reddit. And uh, was legitimately, whenever we talk to friends about this, they always look at us and kind of like their eyes get really wide. Three complete strangers. We had no idea who each other were. And all of a sudden, we um, are still doing this. Yep. What legitimately. We, what, all started on a, Reddit, uh, on a Reddit post. Would we have been friends in real life? I would have never met you guys otherwise. Say we met. Would we have ever been friends? No. <laughs> Matt, we'll Mc- let Evan take that one over. Matt McKay says, just wanted to say thanks for the uh, bumper sticker and hope you're, get, you're having a good weekend. Also, what's your favorite breakfast food? I had oh. breakfast pizza this morning. Egg? Oh, scrambled egg, bacon, onion, Your red life peppers. is just so much better than ours. Egg on anything other than egg dishes. There's one. Ex- there's there's many acceptable answers for best breakfast food because it's all terrific. But yeah, breakfast food is amazing. But if we're picking one, it's French toast. Uh, I'm a big cereal guy. Oh, that is the boring answer. Although I am too, but still, that is the boring answer. Oh well. Uh, cinnamon. What cereal? It's cinnamon toast crunch, right? Yeah, CG crunch. Um, oh, no, no. Fruity Pebbles first and then Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cameron Swick says, has anybody else noticed that all the Red Wings rejects are on the Oilers? Shahan, Yurko, Athanasiu, and Green. What's Holland's game plan here? Well, I believe Yurko and Sh- – no, no. Shahan was signed by Holland. Yeah, he's he's looking to uh, lose in the first round of the playoffs every year. Holland's a man of habit. Haroon Khan says, hey, guys, 38 mil in cap space upcoming. It's probably a pipe dream, but is it possible we have a Colorado Avalanche-type turnaround? All our young guns hit, and the vets, Eisman brings in help. A man can dream. Thanks, guys, and let's go Red Wings. We do not have a Nathan McKinnon, so no. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but they really need to hit on this draft before that happens. They have a McKinnon, a Rantanen, and a Makar. We don't. And a Byram. Coming soon, yeah. Oh, man, Makar and Hughes are so good. They're so good. Hey, the Makar one, we don't have to lament because we never had a chance at him. No. Chris says, hey, guys, watching the game right now, does anybody else hate 11 forward 7D men? Anyways, I want to reply on something uh, Evan said, which is, is anything in Texas small? I live in San, in- San uh, Angelo. Uh, take a look on a map. It's in the middle of nowhere. And Coney dogs are not found in a majority of the U.S. I have to explain it to a lot of people. Moving into a questions portion, let's say we ha- we get the first pick and given Blash stays head coach, odds of him ending in the third line with Glennie and Helm. Oh, very high. I would lose my mind. It's going to happen. It I'm, ha- take, I'm taking the over. It ha- okay, name one major prospect on the Red Wings who didn't play at least a significant amount of time with those two in their first couple of years. It happened to Athanasiu. It happened to Mantha. If I'm not mistaken, it happened to Larkin. I'm not, I'm not answering this question. <laughs> uh Predict who makes the NHL next season. Our first round draft pick. No, because it's likely to be fourth. Which yeah, if it's anybody other than Byfield or Lafreniere, they're not making it. Uh, I'm going to bet on less than I think we would think will be up. So I'm going to say three. Rasmussen, Svechnikov, and Sider. Abdulkader? Yes. Hiroshi. 
Mm. I say no to Hermosy. He's I, been really good in Grand Rapids, though. I think he'll stay very good in Grand Rapids. He'll be up and down as they need him to in a Hicketts-type role. I'm going to say yes. Uh, you said yes to Svetch. I say yes to Svetch. Well, doesn't he have to? Yeah, pretty much. He loses. He's not waiver eligible, so he'll be up. Franz Nielsen? Yes. Gustav Lindstrom? No. I think yes. Uh, it would be him or Cider. Cholosky? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bowie? Yes. Whatever. No. You're saying that just to be spiteful? Yes. Uh, Joe Valeno? No. I say no as well. No. I didn't include side air because I think that's a lock. Overall, the roster turnover can really start to pick up after the summer. The log jam at D is opening, but the long-term contracts on forward might create one the other way. Great pod, guys. Always enjoy your takes on my wings. Questions. The Real Terry says, Good day, dead duds. Can't help but notice that for Lent, the Red Wings have given up. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's the sentence. Seeing as you weren't paying attention last week, let's try this again. Get out the crystal ball and give us some wild offseason predictions. This is a league-wide question not related to the wings. Ooh, okay. Buyouts, trades, free agent signings, draft chaos. Get extreme. Predict the orange wings to win the cup. Anything to promote discussion and to just distract us from the final 15 games. Okay, like, but, And it has to be weird and bold, right? Like, we can't... Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, like, it, like okay. Because, like... I've got a lot of theories, but they're pretty common sense. Okay. Okay. Crazy bat shit off the walls out there. Montreal trades carry price. Whoa, that's nuts. To uh, Colorado. Um, What crazy one do I have? You want really off the board? Toronto trades one of their core. That's not that crazy. They need defense. Yeah, well. Would they really move one of, uh, like, Nylander or Marner? Yes, absolutely they would. I don't think they should. Um, Marner, no. Nylander, I could see. Evan, crazy prediction. Um, Edmonton signs Taylor Hall. Oh, oh, I like it. Evans is the best one, I think. I like it. And I'm just going to bring this back to the Wings. The Red Wings buy out one of their brutal contracts. It doesn't make sense, and I don't endorse it, but... Just to get weird with it. A Red Wing wins Rookie of the Year, but I'm not going to specify which one. <laughs> uh, draft Chaos, uh, Ottawa picks two and three, and neither of those picks are um, Byfield or Stutzla. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Uh, that would be crazy. Ooh, you want real crazy? You guys are going to hate me for this. Toronto misses the playoffs and wins the draft lottery. I will actually not watch hockey. <laughs> I I will give up hockey for the entire year. I'm, I'm dead serious. Okay. Um, now we're a movies podcast. Jersey time. Let's play a little game around number anomalies and no Googling, phones down, and no laptop browsing, Ryan. Okay. You should be able to get the first one. What number did Thomas Holmstrom initially wear, and why did he have to move to 96? Uh, 15. <laughs> yeah, it was 15. 15. I could not tell you why he moved to 96, though. Given the year, I'm trying to think of if there's any veterans that came in that would have took the number, but the one who wore 15, which I think was Jason Woolley, didn't come in until 2000, so I am at a loss. He moved to 96 because it's the year he came to Detroit. But why did he have to give up 15? The next question is, what number did Fatisov initially wear when he was traded to Detroit? 44? Uh, that's beyond me. I have no idea. I think it was 44. Can you think of any other wings who played a fair amount of time that had to change numbers? I'll reveal answers on the Twitter machine. Stay fresh, cheese bag. Red wings who 
<clears throat> played a good amount of time that changed numbers. None in recent memory other than uh, Franz um, because he gave that – he got a Rolex for that one. Who else would have been? I'm trying to think. I'm really bad at this. I have a, like a, a permanence thing. So when I see someone habitually wear the same number, that's what I register them as having the entire time. No. Uh, Danny Cleary when Alfredson came. Oh, yeah. He switched from 11 to, to 71. Yeah. Was he 71? I think it was 71. The greatest 71 to ever wear the winged wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I remember that one. Um, trying to think. I'm basically just trying to think of like big free agent signings the Red Wings made just to see who had the number before they got here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's the only one that's coming to mind for me was when Alfie came and Cleary had to give it up. Uh, Shay says, fellas looking at Jimmy Howard's career, 543 games with a 2.62 goals against average and 246 wins, third all-time in Red Wings history. To me, he seems to have checked out the season, which to be fair, who can blame him, but I simply can't see a world where he's brought back next year, or playing anywhere else for that matter. Completely disregarding the 223-2 record this season, is this really his last season, and what if, or if this is, what is Jimmy Howard's legacy? Um, a man who played behind some pretty brutal defenses for nearly all of his career, uh, was underappreciated for a lot of it, wasn't always at his best, but when he was, he was among the upper echelon in the league, and finally his body gave out on him after his millionth high danger shot against. To summarize, his legacy will be an above-average goalie who will leave us feeling what-if for all time. Always underappreciated in my mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brian, sa- Brian says, hey, guys, after watching the game tonight, I thought Timoshoff looked really solid at moments, considering it's his first game with the team. I'm sure you guys have already talked about him, but what do you think a ceiling for him looks like, or is it just too early to tell? Anyhow, thanks for the entertainment and what has been a very bad season. I could see him being a usable third-line winger who puts up 30 to 45 points a year. Yeah, I mean, if he puts up 45 points a year, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, um, yeah third-line winger is what you can reasonably expect, and then if he does pan out and – He's able to utilize his talent. He can slot up in case of injury. I wouldn't put too many expectations on him. There hasn't been like a consistent body of work. He hasn't been given the opportunity, but still. He also, apparently, he was also really good on the power play in the AHL, so he might get a look on the wing second unit. Adam Flett says, good morning from Scotland. First, thanks for the bumper sticker. I'm buying a new car in March, so this will take a pr- uh, place of pride. Secondly, I'm done with the season. They finally defeated my joy of the game. Now I'm focusing on my imaginary role as head coach slash GM. With that in mind, do you think the Wings can improve enough to make the playoffs in two years? Next season is a no, but I have to, I've got to thinking about the year after that. We have Dylan Larkin, Joe Valeno, and Michael Rasmussen as our three centers. Add to that Zadina, Mantha, Bertuzzi, Fabry, and a winger from this draft, um, plus a current prospect and maybe a 2021 draft pick. Is that not good enough for a competitive top nine? Uh, it's competitive, but they'll all be very young, so I would say it's still very unlikely, but plausible. Evan Beckner, hot take. Onus on the hitter to let up his leading players to putting themselves in more dangerous positions. Sorry, say that again? Uh, having the onus being on the person laying the hit to let up is leading to players putting themselves in more dangerous positions. Yeah, no, because most of these players aren't letting up. Uh, I think there is some truth to that. Not to the point where they need to change the rule and take the onus off the hitter, but for sure players are turning their backs way more often with the presumption that they won't be hit, which leads to the problem with what Brad just said is that they don't let up. <laughs> so 
It seems like players are putting themselves in worse positions nowadays, and I'm not entirely sure what the underlying cause of that is. Because they're expecting the NHL Department of Player Stupidity to do something about it, but they don't, so it doesn't stop anybody. Um, Finally, Liz B says, any idea when the draft lottery is, or can they just skip it and let you trade the first pick? I mean, a team this awful, awful should just get it by default. We, um, It's usually during the first round of the playoffs, yes? Yeah, and they don't announce it very frustrating so we don't know so we'll probably have to sit through a goddamn leafs game while we'll be in the second intermission of some bogus game if they do that garbage again what was it last year the year before where they made it they did the draft lottery and then we had to wait two and a half hours to find out who the top three were that was terrible it was the worst thing ever i was or last year sorry yeah that was two years ago because last year they blew the surprise yeah, they did. They oh, yeah. I forgot and they revealed about that. it before they actually. Oh. It was like, uh, it was, it didn't go to commercial or something, right? On one of the streams. Yeah. yeah. And then everybody posted it everywhere. And we're like, please don't be true. Please don't be true. And then it got to Chicago. They got skipped. And we're like, damn it. <sighs> that was, I hate the draft lottery, but it's even worse when like the actual fun part, which is the climax of it, gets pulled out from. What a place. classic NHL moment. I know. They can't get it right. Heritage Classic. We have time for some hashtag SWWPs in our couple of Reddit questions. Uh, Sean C says, who would you rather have, Gallant or Lambert? Wild, careless speculation is encouraged. Cheers. Uh, Gallant because known commodity versus unknown commodity. Yeah, I'm the same way, although I think I'd be happy with either. I'm on the I'm on the Gallant train. I'm, I'm going to ha- say something very dirty, but <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I'm happy if Evan's cat, Fred, is the new coach at this point. His name is not actually Fred, though. So. I know. Uh, Drunk Uncle Mickey Redmond says, does Abby get bought out after the season? We could do it, and Eisenman has done it before with aging, non-productive players. No, I'm going to repeat this till the day I die. You do not buy out players until you, A, are competitive, or B, need the cap space. The Red Wings need neither of those things for next season, so you're literally just extending his cap hit on the books for no good reason. The Red Wings, with his contract, as everything is right now, if you want the roster spot for him, just send him down. Eat the cap hit. Don't extend it. Now, if he does get bought out, Brad legally has to die. That's true. Uh, some Reddit questions. Kmart Avenger 96 says, Hey, Cheesebags, random question. Would you rather have a goalie that can get a shutout and steal a game some nights and others just shit the bed and allow five or a goalie that will never, ever get a shutout but will only ever allow three goals once a season and two or one the rest of the season? That oh one, God. absolutely. The second that one. one. The second one by a lot, yeah. Uh, a serious nap says, hey, guys, hope all is well. What are the chances the Red Wings mirror Vegas's original plan and take on bad contracts for draft picks? Um, I'm a little upset they haven't already done it, seeing what Boston got to unload uh, David Backus's contract. Yeah, he they listed some uh, potential deals below. Erickson, two years left at $6 million, um, from Vancouver, modified no trade clause. Kyle Poso three years left on a deal at $6 million, modified Three no years trade. left on that one? Yeah, yeah. it's too long. Milan Lucic, three years at 5.25. Too long. Andrew Ladd, three years at six. Too long. Johnny Boychuk, two years at six. Sure. I'd happily do Erickson or Boychuk. Yep. Henlick Zetterbark said, Dangle has talked about how players like Kachuk and Tom Wilson are the new market limitation. At what point during the rebuild do you want to see the Wings take a chance in the draft on a bigger player with this kind of potential that may not have the numbers or playmaking of a smaller player? When Um, they have someone with the talent first. Not that those guys aren't talented. They're very talented. He's tinier, but isn't this why we just draft, uh, drafted Alvin Grava? Yeah. Does Tyler Bertuzzi not fit that role? He's not aggressive enough. 
Coltron57 says, what a weird scenario for Timoshov to be able to play for us because this game was in Canada and not on American soil. Really hope he can do some good things for us. Now, Ryan, read the first letter of each line. Watford, yeah. Watford dealt Liverpool their first loss of the the, uh, English Premier League season. Very funny. Very funny. What? Yep. You got it. Ferd. What? Ferd. Anyhow. (laughs) Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Wing Wheel Podcast. I'm sure you're tired of hearing me sniffle and uh, Evan get restless. So with that, we're going to wrap up. We want to thank all of you. Uh, if you want to support the show uh, in other ways, you can uh, leave us a rating on iTunes. Pretty important for us. Subscribe. Uh, listen to our outro. She tells you everything you need to do. Uh, thank you to all of our name level patrons, Terry, Curtis LaPrize, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Mitchell Shinkowski, Aaron Taylor, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Mike Reed, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Alkasem, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levine, Ashley Van Conant, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Rob Thiel, Simon Anderson, John Evans, Kay Waz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.